Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Okay, so today on the Live Healthy podcast, I have Lena Kapil. She is a Dubai-based uh, mom, and she runs uh, Conscious Coaching by Lena Kapil. And she's going to talk to us about this concept of conscious parenting. Um, so welcome, Lena. You're in Dubai. I'm in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh. Nice to see you too, Anne. Thank you. We first met last year when... Um, Dr. Shafali Sabari, why can't I say her name? Sabari. Sabari. (laughs) Dr. Shafali Sabari, who is like a guru in this area. She's been on Oprah and she's written books. She came to speak uh, in the UAE about it. And that's how I found out that you had actually studied. So can you just tell me a little bit about how you got it? First of all, can you just tell us what conscious parenting is? Right, sure. So conscious is the word consciousness. you know, is all about awareness. So nobody ever taught us how to be a parent, right? The only thing we know about parenting is the way we were parented. So it's not necessarily a conscious way of parenting. We're just unconsciously following whatever we were, whatever we witnessed as a child or whatever we've learned from books or what we are seeing. But conscious parenting is all about connecting to yourself, to your soul, being aware of your own belief systems, being aware of every action that you take and how it impacts your your child and your family. So it's, it's about making yourself aware of your own self. It's a lot to do with self-reflection in every action that you take. And what drew you to this and how did you end up meeting, you know, get learning with Dr. Shafali? So, you know, every, every parent has this vision or most moms have a vision of being the kind of parent that they would like to be. You know, we have these fantasies that we'll have the perfect child and the child is born and they're happy and we are happy and we have this vision of laughter and fun. But of course, when the baby's born, you have these sleepless nights and you get triggered and you don't understand why you can't be the kind of person you expected you wanted to be, you know, the mother you wanted to be or the father you wanted to be. So mine was something similar. I, um, when my daughter was born seven years ago, it was tough. It was tough because, you know, here I was taking care of this baby. Suddenly I was not just responsible for myself but I was more responsible for this other human being. And I couldn't, um, I I just had a tough time with her certain health issues as well. And I found myself getting triggered and not being able to connect with my child. And I started to feel guilty that why am I not feeling the love? Every mother should feel love for her, you know, child. 
So I couldn't feel that. But anyway, a few, a couple of years passed and we had our second child and we had this expectation, the second child would be born and, you know, they would be friends and my, my first child would have a sibling and they, they should love each other and the shoulds and the coulds and the woulds. But of course, things weren't going that way. And I just knew it at that point that this is not the way I'd like to be as a parent. And there's definitely something out there that I could learn from. Um, at that time in my daughter's school, there was a, a beautiful lady who used to coach parents uh, about consciousness. And that's where my journey began. I started to reflect on myself and I realized that parenting is not about the child. Parenting has everything to do with the parent. And it's not just the parent, it's just us, you know, as a human being. What are the situations in which we get triggered? Why do we get triggered in the first place? So um, we looked out, my husband and I did some research and found uh, a person who coached us on uh, emotional intelligence and how to raise your children with emotional intelligence. These Tools that we learned from her, we when we applied it at home, it made so much difference in our relationship with our child that uh, I just felt that, you know, this is it. Like, why couldn't this be taught to every parent? It would just make life so much easier. It would just make the parenting journey so much more enjoyable and dreamlike, you know. So um, I started to do some more research and came across uh, an institute in the U.S. that uh, talked about conscious parenting. At that time, Dr. Shifali had not yet come up with her conscious parenting course for the coaches. Um, so I got trained uh, and got certified by another institute called the Jair Institute for Parenting. And it was a quite an intense 21-week course uh, where we first went through our own journey of parenting and we had to reflect on our own childhood. We had to reflect on our own belief systems. We had to clear our beliefs, our self-limiting beliefs. And when I started to see the beautiful changes at home, I thought that this is it. I need to go out there and tell others about it. So it just began very small with uh, friends and family. And whoever has approached me has been coached and has seen wonderful results. Uh, right after I graduated uh, from this J Parenting, Dr. Shifali came up with her coaching practice. And she puts it so beautifully because she says, you know, let's, let's see, we are in this Western world, right? Influenced by the West. And we, we are here to do certain things. But at the same time, it's not about the doing, it's about the being. How are you being? And that's more influenced by the Eastern culture, you know? So let's blend the Eastern teachings with the Western doings and come up with a conscious way of approaching parenting. And that's what her course is all about. So what is wrong with the way we were parented? What is it that doesn't work? <laughs> and you have a different background than I do. I'm coming from the West and, you know, but for you, what's the biggest problem? Um, so it's not just the West. I mean, it's East, West, everywhere. Uh, what we have seen is generally the easy way out is to control. And there's this notion about discipline. There's this thing about uh, do as I say, I'm the parent, you are the child, and there's a certain hierarchy. 
And when you approach parenting with that perspective, you end up controlling. You end up thinking you are higher than the child. In conscious parenting, we are equal. We are as much as a student and a teacher to our child, and our child is as much our student and a teacher to us. So there's a lot to learn from children because they are the purest form of energy. They are born with zero conditioning. We as adults are highly conditioned beings. And the conditioning has come from our parents. It's come from the people who've influenced us, from school, from educators. Uh, you know, we've grown up thinking that we are not good enough. We've been graded on our performance. We've been told and we've been, you know, schooling uh, as much as we'd like not to believe this, but there is a certain level of expectation. There is grading. You know, if you are an A scorer, then you're better than the other. And they expect you to follow a certain structured form of learning, but that structure doesn't work for every child. So invariably, every child grows up, and we've grown up as well with a lot of beliefs that we are not good enough, we we can't do it, we... Um, you know, there are, there are certain limitations if you just reflect on the inner voices that you have. And so if you have even one inner voice that is limiting, then you've been conditioned, as simple as that. So, yeah. When you talk about triggering then, what, what do you mean when your child can trigger you and what, what should you pay attention to when that happens? So simple things like, um, you know, your child is... Uh, putting their clothes here and there, throwing things around and you get triggered because you're like, you know, you should be cleaning up your own mess. You should be. And then you start to control. You start to say you should be doing this as opposed to approaching that situation with understanding, with empathy, because it's important to us as an adult to maintain certain level of cleanliness. And we ourselves have come to this stage after many years right? Because we understand the importance of decluttering and stuff. But a child doesn't understand that. So how do you put that message across to the child without controlling them, without telling them that they need to do it, as opposed to modeling it for them? So what's an example of what you would do in that situation? So, you know, I, I'd give you an example. I mean, this is an extreme case. Uh, a few years ago, when my kids were much younger, my children had scribbled on the walls. And and I was like, the first thought I had was, what? How could you? This is a white wall, you know? And expecting them, you should understand that this is your house. You know, how could you do this? And I could have gone around and said that, you know what? Time out. Or clean this up. Or how, you know, I could have shouted or screamed. But instead of that, very playfully... I said, wow, you guys really would like to scribble somewhere, isn't it? Uh, you know, let's let's uh, see what we have in the house that we can use to scribble on. So let's get this chalkboard or something. This is the place you scribble. But this, these white walls, it's so hard for us to rub this off. So let's try and do it now. And then, you know, stand there, rub the wall, scrub the wall. And the same thing happened, believe it or not, like my child is seven years old and with this lockdown and their boredom and whatever, they, my daughter scribbled on the wall very recently. And I looked at it and I just smiled. 
because I'm like, wow, that's a repeat. You remember the last time we cleaned this? Time to clean it up again. And um, again, understood what made her do this as opposed to why did you do it? Because a why can be shaming, demeaning, understanding what made you do it. You know, oh, uh, yeah, my brother, he said, let's do it. And just being naughty, I said, oh, okay, I see. I see. You're being naughty. Um, let's see how hard it is to clean this. And we clean it up together. And she understood it was hard. Our arms were hurting. And I'm like, do you think you would do that again? And she's like, no. That's, you know, so in a way, calm way. But in order to be in that state of mind, you need, as a parent, you need to be very, very connected to yourself. You need to understand that at this moment, I am getting triggered to that extent. And it's okay. Everyone has feelings. We do get angry. But how do you then control your anger? Conscious parenting is also about you cannot control your child. You, The only person you can control is yourself. And how you are being in that moment with your child. How do you personally get that presence of mind? Do you meditate? Do you do what sort of tools do you have so that you can put that space between what happens and how you react? So there are various, various mindfulness exercises out there. Meditation is uh, the best because you can do it at your own pace, at your own time. You don't need anyone for that. You're within yourself. Focusing on the breath is another, uh, it's a form of meditation. But at the moment you're getting triggered, when you start to focus on your breath, uh, it needs a lot of practice though but it is the only friend you have with you all the time. It's in your body. And as long as you're living, you have your breath. So focusing on the breath and just staying calm, pausing. So sometimes we think that we need to say something right now, otherwise a message won't get through. Whereas pause, reflect, sit down with your own feelings, separate yourself, Go, go actually go to the toilet if you have to, to separate yourself from your child so that you can get in touch with the, you know, the eruption of feelings, the emotions coming up in you and remembering the intentions that you set for yourself as a parent is very important. So that's another, in, in the coaching practice that I do, the number one, the first thing that we do with a parent is to set their intentions. How do you want to be as a parent? How do you want your child to be? when they grow up. So when you have an intention set, if, you are, if your intention is to connect with your child, always, connection before correction is my intention. Connection before correction. If that's my intention, I will never ever raise my voice on my child because I know instantly that leads to disconnection, shaming, blaming, making them feel that they're not good enough. And I'm very mindful of those kind of limiting beliefs setting in them. So yes, you can discipline, consciously discipline your child, but through self-realization, they need to realize that they've done something that is inappropriate as opposed to you telling them you've done something mm. inappropriate because that just becomes blah, 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 you know, lecturing and advising and it doesn't sit well. No, so well meditation, yeah. So meditation, 
mindfulness exercises like reflection of your own feelings coming up uh you know you sit with it you process it you understand what at this moment is triggering me so most often you will go down the memory lane of your own childhood so let's say in that example like someone scribbling on the wall uh if if i had anger coming up i'd sit with myself and say you know what about this is making me angry okay my child has scribbled on the wall she has no uh this is my thought judgment right she has no idea about keeping the house clean you know we spend so much money on them we, we this is we're paying for this we paying our nanny to keep the house clean and all they do is just scribble or they they spoil the the house or they broke something so it goes on to them the judgment okay so uh how do you feel when something in your house gets damaged is the question you ask yourself um okay i feel that uh, i work so hard okay how do you feel when you work hard and it's not valued mm. you know you keep digging in digging in digging in and then it goes down to yeah my mom would scream at me every time she would see mess in the house and she really gave me a hard time and every time i see my child doing something similar it reminds me of the the shoutings and the screamings of my mother isn't that amazing and at that moment i have anxiety and i want to just take it out on That's someone else i'm sure it's the yeah. last thing you would ever want to do because of the way you yeah. right wow yeah the other thing that i find amazing about conscious parenting is that a lot of the time parents rush to a lot of what parents do is to try and protect their children from feeling any pain that's the thing, next thing i wanted to ask you about so what sort of are you doing to your kids when you're rushing to fix and even you know give them a tylenol as soon as the this second they look like they're a little bit sick and and try to you know stop them from crying can you just get into that a little bit for me sure so when you um again in conscious parenting you you don't fix anything for your child you allow them to sit with your feelings as much as you understand the importance of sitting with your own feelings so when we try to fix our child they don't learn how to deal with their feelings and today you're with them but a few years down the line or even when they're in school you're not with them and so you haven't taught them how to sit with their big emotions someone might say something to them a teacher might say something to them that they won't like they should be able to process their own feelings and tell themselves this you know the affirmations and the positive words to get out of that feeling but the most important thing is to sit with that feeling so we never try to fix it the way we deal with a child who's crying is to allow them to cry but not by abandoning them but by sitting with them maybe holding their hand maybe giving them a hug and speaking their language of love so whatever that is if the child feels comforted with your hug then hug if the child feels comforted with your presence then just be present and empathy empathy is a gift that you can give to your child and let them know that whatever they're feeling is okay in that moment and it is okay to feel angry it is okay to feel sad 
because their toy broke or because someone said something to them, because their sibling hit them, it is okay to feel the pain. And we allow that pain to rise and then fade with the help of our empathy. And is that what is meant by holding space? Like you're holding space for them? Because I think a lot of even adults think if they feel pain, they're just going to be overcome with pain and they're going to die from it. Right. And it's like teaching, it's like teaching kids. I saw a great YouTube video of a father last year and he was just hugging his, he was just right there while his toddler went through this two and a half minute tantrum. It was horrible to watch, but the, the, the little headline was watch this father hold space for his toddler. And yes, so ho- exactly. So holding space means creating a safe environment for your child where they can express their feelings, whatever that may be. So we don't question them on why they're feeling a certain thing, whatever they're feeling, even if as a parent you don't understand, and it may be something so trivial, like for them that toy broke and it's such a small toy which you can buy again, but they want just that toy, right? And if they are feeling pain, We don't dismiss that by saying, you know what, forget it, I'll buy you another one. You don't do that because you're dismissing and you're telling them what you're feeling right now is not worth it. So get out of that feeling because I can't bear to hear you cry. It's disturbing me. (laughs) So again, getting in touch with your own feelings, the the sound of the howling, it might be disturbing to you because something internally is coming up. Maybe your own childhood screamings and shoutings are coming up. But you get in touch with that and you say, Okay, I understand. This broke and I see that you're feeling sad. Are you feeling sad? Yes, I'm feeling sad. Okay, uh, you know, how can I help you? Let me know. Nothing, I just want that toy. And you're like, I understand you want that toy. So using the right language of expressing understanding, of expressing empathy, will comfort them and you're creating a safe space as in you're not shouting at them, you're not telling them to stop, you're not trying to fix their problems, you're just holding space. So, you know, like, Anne, I'd like to, you know, I'll ask you, sometimes when you're, you know, something has happened in your life and you just want to pick up the phone and call a friend, which friend would you lean more towards? Someone who's just listening to you vent or someone who tries to then give you solutions and tries to fix your problems? Not many people. Just- <laughs> right? You call a friend who's just like, oh, yeah, I understand. I know, I know how you're feeling. You know, I get it. As opposed to someone, hey, you know what? Just, I, you know what? Stay there. You know, I'm going to, but why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you're like, just shut up. <laughs> you know? Sorry. Yeah. Just just keep quiet. Like, just listen to me. Mm. Oh, I love it. Right? So the, chi- the child is wanting the same thing. They just want you to listen. And you think as a parent that they are actually crying because they want attention, because they want you to fix their problem. But but when you create a safe space for them and you show empathy, 100% of the times the child comes up with a solution themselves. Mm. I have seen that in my own house and it's not just with one child, but even two children, like siblings fighting. If you just stand there as a witness to their argument and all you're doing is just questioning them like okay you tell me what happened and they tell one of them tells you their version of the story and you're like okay I understand how that would have made you feel okay you why don't you tell me what happened and when that child tells 
their version of the story. You just stand there as a witness and you allow the children to sort it out themselves. Because when you're quiet as a parent, you are creating a safe space in the sense that if they start to hit each other, you're there in the middle. You, you can stop them. You are just being a mediator and you're allowing them to discuss and you will see that they come up with their own solutions and they don't need you after that. Like it's happened so many times in my own house with my, with my, with my kids. They come to me with a complaint. This, she did this, he did that. And then they start to talk and I just mediate. I'm like, okay, you tell me your story. You tell me your story. So I facilitate that. And then they discuss and they're like, okay, bye. And they're gone. And they're starting to play again together. Oh, and you're having kids now that aren't going out into the world looking for a winner and a loser to everything. They're, you know, they're yeah. in the nuances of like human interaction. <laughs> yeah. So the, so, so for parents, I mean, you know, the number one reason for sibling rivalry is when a parent starts to fix problems mm. for one child. So when they start to believe that one is a victim of the other, that's how sibling rivalry actually begins at home. Right. And don't parents when they have more than one, I don't have children, but don't parents when they have more than one kid, there's always one that seems like it needs a little bit more help. He or she needs a little bit more help, you know? And so then that sort of starts it too, right? Because you're doing a little bit more problems. Yeah. One than the other. Yeah. What do you do when you screw up? You know, when you snap, when you, when you don't practice this, when you just have a bad moment, how do you recover from that? And how do you help your kids recover from it? Right. So at the end of the day, we are all human beings, right? Coach or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have my moments too. And especially, I'd say the first month of the lockdown was a big learning experience for me because I, I found myself going down that guilt trip of how can you do something like this? You're a coach, you know? So yes, we have our moments too. And of course, this situation just threw us all off the wagon. We didn't expect anything like that to happen so suddenly. When you do screw up, you be vulnerable to your children. In a sense, you own up. You take responsibility for your own actions. Do not blame the child for what has happened to you in terms of your own reactions. Right? So... The more conscious you are, the more aware of you are of your own feelings, you take ownership for your mistakes. So I've had instances where I've actually walked up to my child and I've told my child that, you know, that what happened should not have happened that way. I understand that I, my actions must have hurt your feelings. And I apologize for that. I'm very aware now that the next time this happens, I would not do it. But you know, that situation happened. Can we talk about it so that it doesn't happen again? So we work a solution together on how not to fall into that trap again where both of us lose it. Uh, but taking responsibility for your own actions and not blaming the other because uh, there is no trigger on the outside. There is nobody in this world who can make you feel the way you do. The only person who's responsible for making you feel whatever you feel is yourself. Because it's your own perception. It's your own story that you're telling yourself about that situation. So, you know, even though it sounds insane, like my child scribbled on the wall, isn't she to blame for how I'm feeling? 
No. <laughs> Your child scribbled on the wall because that was fun for them. You got triggered because you have a notion about how a wall should be. Right. Okay. Yes, a wall could be a wall which you can scribble on. This one isn't. Yeah. Let's just talk about it and say that, you know, let's say it doesn't happen again. But at that moment, if you're getting triggered, it's your problem, not your child's. So you sort yourself out first, get in touch with your own feelings, and so you can address your child in a more meaningful, in a more mindful way to come up with a solution that that doesn't happen again. And I liked how you so just, the, yeah. sorry, I liked how you just said when it happened again, you just said, this is a repeat, not this happened again. And how can it happen? You know, this is a repeat, just a simple word to describe. Well, it just didn't really get, you know, we're not quite finished with it yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, right. simple. it's so simple. Um, so when all the kids are heading back to school, some kids are staying home. What do you see as sort of the biggest challenges and how do you think parents should should address them with the, you know, with what we've been through with Corona, with the newest, you know, restrictions and rules and regulations that kids are going to be going through. Right. So I think the government of UAE and is doing a lot. I mean, KHDA as well in, in Dubai is doing a lot to put in certain governing rules and regulations for the safety of everyone. So at this point, I mean, those who are going to school, can just ensure that they follow those policies and those rules. Um, you know, we are, as, as they say, as, they, as the slogan says, we are all responsible. So, you know, as a parent, to tell your children, ask your children to keep, keep themselves sanitized, wash their hands, maintain that social distance. And really, it's important for the parents to also not come from a space of fear. Even though the situation is life-threatening and could have dire consequences, but to actually come from a space of love and abundance and trust in the school management, in the, the governing authority, that they are doing their best. And if for any reason there is even an iota of fear, then it is, it's okay to you know, make certain choices of having your child do distance learning. It's fine. Whatever works for every family is okay, you know, and we, rather than judging the school, rather than judging KHDA, rather than judging the government for whatever efforts they're making, I mean, it's all new for everyone, right? The message here is to just accept, is to accept this moment, this present moment, whatever we're going through, and to, um, to work with it you know, rather than against it, rather than uh, going in, in lack or in fear that this might happen, that might happen. Because we as a parent are biggest influencers in our child's life. If we are in fear, they will sense the fear. And they will go to school with that fear. And when a brain functions in fear, it you know, there, there's cortisol and it doesn't allow you to even concentrate or learn. So it defeats the whole purpose. Addressing the fear, talking to your children about how they're feeling about going to school. You know, I, I've talked to my child and I've asked my daughter, how do you feel? And she's like, I'm excited. 
and and also because uh, yeah we've been going out i've been i've started to take them out because yes they will be going to school and they've got to understand what it, what it means to wash their hands to sanitize their hands they have to get get used to it so if you haven't already started taking your kids out you know take them out let them experience get get them exposed a little bit maybe build their immunity because sitting at home has also damaged that you know we are not meant to sit in a clean environment all the time so uh teachers as well i think teachers have gone through a lot of training as far as i uh, understand from my friends who are teachers they have been in school a little longer now uh, and they are all going through certain trainings of how to deal with a child who's not well or you know how to implement uh, hygiene in in classrooms so they are being trained but i think from an administration perspective schools should also address the fears of teachers because they are human beings too so if a teacher is in fear in that moment in classroom the kids are going to sense it so i think it's important that teachers also get the chance to talk to administration about their own fears and let it out you know put put words to their emotions so that they can actually tame the emotion. Wow, that's also helpful I think for parents Lena. It's so great to talk to you. Now, where can people find you? Um I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. It's uh called Conscious Coaching by Lena Kapil. That's L E N A and K A P I L. So they can find me there. I've got uh I'm active there. I check my messages. I've not been posting much on it. uh i'm also coming up with a website so that'll be out soon but yes that's the best way to get in touch with me and do you do one on ones do you have you have weekend seminars how does it work normally normally before all, all this so uh yes i coach one on one i've coached couples i also do uh group coaching for parents and i've also done a few talks for institutions like companies that have parent groups so i've done certain talks for them as well um in these covid times especially okay. yeah great. well conscious coaching by lena capel she's based in dubai and um great to have you on today it's been helpful for me and i don't even have any kids so thank you <laughs> oh. well it's not about parenting it's about you it's about you it's about you it's about you thank you so much lena have a great day all right thank you anmary lovely talking to you That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.